This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am Nate Schreiber, and as always with my co-host, Alex Pollinger. All right, as promised, we are here with our mid-season review and preview of the rest of the season for both the Bills and the NFL at large, because we haven't really discussed the NFL at large all that much. And we're recording here on Monday the 23rd. During our last episode, we said we weren't all that concerned about the Dolphins winning the AFC East, and lo and behold, the offense doesn't go out and perform because they haven't in the last few weeks, and their defense kind of covered for that. And they lose to a team that's not that great. Yep, exactly. And this is what really we expected, at least on this podcast. And I think a decent amount of people around the league expected from this Dolphins team is not that they're not good, but that they're going to lose a couple of games that you wouldn't expect them to lose. And this is one of them. And they have a few more of those uh, the rest of the season. Like For, for this Dolphins team, to they, they're 6-4 and four now. And for them to finish better than 3-3, three and three, I think, would take them playing extremely, extremely, extremely well. And that I think their best-case scenario is 9-7, is and seven, which, as we've said, puts the Bills in a pretty good spot for in terms of winning the division. Right. And even if the Dolphins were to go 4-2, and two, it, the Bills probably still win the tiebreaks in that scenario if they go 3-3 three and three over their last six games. And... This isn't us picking on the Dolphins. It's just what we view as a team that's up and coming and not there yet. To me, this Dolphins team is much like the 2017 Buffalo Bills. They had a great defense. The offense was absolutely putrid. And the defense covered up for it. They walked into nine wins in the last seed in the playoffs by luck. And that's not to say the Dolphins are a bad team or that they aren't going to be good going forward that two is not going to be a good quarterback. It's just saying, right now, the Bills are the best team in the division, and there's no reason to think otherwise right now. Yeah, all of the, the talking heads who said, oh, the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC, so the Dolphins are going to win the division. Two attack of low is the best quarterback in the division. I, I think we can slow down on that a little bit. I'm not saying two is not going to be good, like you just said, Alex. Tua, Tua has a chance to be a really, really good player. He's shown some really, really good things. But he's not he's not there yet. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not going to carry an offense on his back. If Joe, if you put Joe Burrow before his injury on this Dolphins team, that's a playoff team 100% of the time. Two is not there yet. But the Dolphins are are looking for the future and looking forward. They're probably the, the closest team in the division of the Bills that there is. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, they might still walk into a wild card, but... I know it might sound crazy with the Bills only being one game ahead, but the Bills are 4-0 in the division, Dolphins are 1-2, and and like you said, they have to win four games down the stretch in that last one against the Bills, and the Bills probably have to go 2-4. and four. So I, I just don't see that happening unless we have a monumental collapse from the Bills, and if that happens, we'll own it. <laughs> Right, and, and that that's like that's why we were saying last week, like the Dolphins needed a perfect finish to the year to, to catch the Bills. 
Like, even if they had won this game and been 7-3 and three tied with the Bills, they have to beat them and also finish with a better record than them in the other five games, which just doesn't... It's The Dolphins play the Chiefs, the Raiders, they play the Patriots, and the Bills. Like, you got to win three of those four, including against the Bills. That's not the most likely thing in the world, even if the Dolphins had beat the Broncos this past week. Right, and it's certainly an uphill climb for them, and they might make it into the playoffs, but even if they do, like, somehow make that Week 17 game into a title game, the Bills have shown they match up extremely well with Miami. The Bills match up extremely well with any team that plays a lot of man-to-man defense because their wide receivers are so good against man coverage. And Josh Allen has absolutely owned the Dolphins his entire career so far, including this year. That was not a one-score game. Fitzpatrick had a garbage-time TD at the end to make it a three-point game. The Bills were a better team then, they're a better team now, and I think they're a better team for the rest of this year and probably next year, too. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I I think uh, the majority of that comes down to who has the better quarterback. And right now, the Bills have the better quarterback. I think you could take pretty much everything else out of the equation, and that's just how football is these days, is the better quarterback over the long term is going to have more success than a lesser quarterback, no matter what there is around that quarterback. And right now the Bills have a better quarterback and better pieces around the quarterback. And going forward, that looks pretty unlikely to change, at least for the next couple of years. Right, and Miami is positioned to make a ton of draft picks this year and probably put a lot more talent around Tua. And maybe Tua really grows in his second year and becomes a really good player. We don't know. But right now, talking about this season and at least for the near future beyond that, the AFC East is the Bills to lose. If the Bills don't win the AFC East, it's on them. It's not because another team was better than them. It's basically because they shit the bed. And if you look at this Bills schedule going forwards, I think there's a reasonable expectation for them to win four of these last six. I mean, that's that's my personal expectation, is the Bills win four of these last six. Like, 11-5 is a, a really good season for this team. And they haven't, they haven't had that, you know, horrible loss so far this year. Yes, they've lost. They got blown out by the Titans, but I wouldn't consider losing to the Titans a, a horrible loss. And they there's it's unless they, they lose to the, the Broncos, they probably get out without a horrible loss. Because yes, the Chargers are three and seven, but they have a what, top five offense. They shouldn't lose to the Chargers. I'm not saying that it'd be acceptable necessarily lose to the Chargers, but it's not a horrible loss. This is a, a, the first time in a while a Bills team has really gone through a significant part of their schedule and been competitive, won the game they're supposed to win, and won some of the games that people didn't expect them to win. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it wouldn't shock me if they go 5-1 and one down the stretch. I would never say 6-0 and oh, just because it's really hard to win six games in a row in the NFL. But the Steelers might be the most fraudulent 10-0 team I've ever seen. And that's not to say they're not a good team. I'm saying that team should not be 10-0. They've won seven games against teams that have four wins or less. Six of those wins against teams with three wins or less. So it's just a product of a poor schedule. And yes, the defense is very good. 
yes, they have good skill positions on offense. Big Ben is not elite anymore. We tend to hang on thinking that these old quarterbacks are still what they were five years ago. Big Ben has not been good. The ball's getting out in two seconds, really close to the line of scrimmage, because he can't throw the ball down the field. I mean, I know it was the Jaguars yesterday, but look at that pick he threw in the end zone. It was just sad. It was just a wounded duck floating into the air, just begging someone to pick it off, and that's what happened. And I think any team that has a reasonable defense and a good offense is going to be a lot tougher for the Steelers to beat than the teams they've played. Yeah, I mean, they haven't beaten anyone yet this year that is definitely a top-tier football team. Like, they beat the Ravens are down this year. They beat the Ravens. The Ravens are still good. I don't know they're still good, but they're not a, a top-tier football team. They beat the Titans, same thing, a, a good team. But other than the, the Ravens and the Titans, who have they beaten that we would say, oh, that's a good team, that's a really good team? Anyone? Like it's it, and they've played some really close games against some teams that probably shouldn't have been close games. Cowboys, the Eagles, the Broncos, the Giants game week one was even closer than the final score indicates. Like this, not we're not saying the Steelers aren't good. They're they're a really good team. They're a top five team in the league right now. But are they this like unbeatable? 10-0 undefeated, like, super team? Absolutely not. Right, and I think that's the point we're trying to get at, is when the Bills play the Steelers here in a month or so, I'm not going to that game saying, oh, this is a loss. No, I expect the Bills to be very competitive, probably be a close game, and dare I say, I would expect them to pull it out, because the Bills are 4-3 and three against teams with 6 wins or more, and, you know, a Hail Mary away from being 5-2 and two against those teams. Right, and that's where in, in a lot of times when you see a team that's 10-0, it's because the team is dominating. Steelers aren't dominating. They're, they're a legitimate 10-0 in the sense, I mean, you, you win who gets put in front of you. That's the, 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 you can't play anyone else than who's on your schedule. But the Steelers, are they a 10-0 dominant 10-0 team? Absolutely not. Are they beatable? Absolutely. Do I even expect them to maybe lose to the Ravens on Thursday? Yeah, I think I think that's the, if they're gonna lose before the Bills, that's probably their their chance. And if they're gonna lose at all, the rest of the season, I mean, it's probably gonna come against the Ravens or the Bills. So this can, the seventy-two Dolphins are counting on one of these two teams to, to to pull off a dub. Right, and even if the Steelers somehow made it sixteen and zero into the playoffs, I still think the Chiefs would be a considerable favorite. And if they played head to head, it's just one team has Patrick Mahomes. One has the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger, who was always mistake-prone. And now that he's old and has to get the ball out in you know less than two and a half seconds because he can't get out of the way, it's just any team that can play a little bit of coverage is going to have some success against that Steelers offense. And the Steelers defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's... I, I kind of think that the... Bills, the Chiefs, and the Steelers are like the three teams. If I'm if I'm an AFC football team, I don't want to play one of those teams in the in the playoffs. So that one seed is ever more important because the one, if, especially the Steelers, get the one seed, they can avoid the Chiefs and the Bills until the AFC Championship game. I think if I'm a Steelers, I don't want to play either one of those teams. Right, and 
you know, the Bills lost to the Cardinals, took them out of contention for that one seed. I, I see a path for the Steelers to finish 12-4. and four. They'd have to lose a game that we don't expect them to and, you know, lose these other games that we're talking about <laughs> that they might have a tough time against. But I don't know. I just, I think the Chiefs are probably going to end up with a one seed. The Bills probably won't quite get there to get the two seed unless somehow they win out and the Steelers finish with three losses. And the Bills, you know, obviously beat the Steelers in that scenario. But I think for the Bills, the eye has to be on getting that three seed and winning a playoff game. I don't think we want to set our sights too high, but I think the goal has to be win at least one playoff game. Yeah, I mean, that that's, that's I think, at a minimum for this team. The goal needs to be to win a playoff game at a minimum. Like, you've gone, you made the playoffs last year with Josh Allen. Lost in the wild card round. It it's looking like the Bills are are gonna win the division. So you're gonna get probably playing the wild card round again, given there's only one by this year. Win that game. Get to a game against probably the Steelers or the Chiefs, and see what happens. Yeah, that's the beauty of the one game sample sizes. Is anything can happen, and I think if somehow you can get to that two seed. So you're playing at home until, you know, potentially an AFC title game where you would then go to Kansas City or Pittsburgh. I I just think that is where you want to be, but you can't really control that other than just playing the teams in front of you, trying to get to 12, 13 wins. But at this point, like we said, they, they could drop a game we don't expect, but they should win 11 at a minimum, which should get them the three seed. And that's really, I think, the... The goal for this Bills team should be the three seed at this point because they need a lot of help to get the two seed. They would need the Chiefs and the Steelers to drop a few games. Uh, the three seed's completely in their control, and I think that that really should be what they're shooting for. And there's a huge difference between the three seed and the four seed, given that if, as we think, the Chiefs are the top seed in the AFC, being the four seed puts you in position to have, maybe have to play the Chiefs in the divisional round where you can avoid them otherwise. Right, and when I'm looking at the wildcard teams, the only one I don't want to see is Tennessee just because that's a matchup for the Bills specifically that doesn't really work in their favor as we've seen them play over the last couple of years against the Titans. They're 1-1 one one in those games, but they just don't match up well with the Titans. But Give me any other of those wild card teams against Buffalo. Like I, I, I'll gladly play the Dolphins. Gladly play the Raiders. Gladly play the Browns. Yeah, the the Raiders are the only team that I'd be even a little bit hesitant about wanting to play. The Raiders have been very, very good. Yes, the Bills beat them, but the Raiders handled the Chiefs. They gave them another tough time last night. The the Raiders are a good football team, and and that's the if it's the. Browns or the Dolphins, I'll take that any of the week. And even Baltimore. Baltimore is a good team, but I think people were a little quick to anoint Lamar Jackson, you know, this next great quarterback. Yeah, he had an MVP season. There's no doubt about that. But as we've seen time and time again, when the Ravens trail and they have to pass the football and the other team knows they're passing the football because they're behind late, he can't get it done repeatedly. So, I don't know. I just think 
yes, it's a challenging matchup because if they get ahead and can run all day, yeah, you're going to have a tough time with them. But Lamar Jackson just isn't a great pocket passer. Yeah, he's he isn't he he wasn't last year when he won the MVP. He was really good passer last year, but he wasn't like a elite pocket passer. He did a he, he was a good passer, but he wasn't he was a really good passer from scripted rollouts from getting from reads from getting out of the pocket. He's hasn't shown yet in this league that he can be or throw the ball at an elite level from the pocket on a consistent basis. Right. And anything else you want to add on the AFC as a whole, Nate? I, th- I think the AFC is much better than the NFC as a whole. And as long as the Steelers aren't the team that comes out of the AFC for the Super Bowl, I, I really think the AFC has a big advantage over the NFC. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, they're at the top of the NFC. There are three teams that I think are really good and a couple other teams that are, are pretty good. But that's not... They're not as complete of teams or as dangerous of teams as, as they're on top of the AFC. And I don't think there's any far and away best team in the NFL this season. Every team has some sort of flaw. And the Chiefs, I, I think, are still the team to beat. But when you look around the league, even the best teams, they have sort of a fatal flaw if you're able to exploit it. And anything can happen in those one-game samples. So, like we said, Nate, if the Bills get that first-round playoff win and you know can win that second one to get to the AFC title game anything can happen but the goal has to be win one playoff game and then go from there absolutely and that that needs to be and I, I'm, I'm sure it is what this team is focusing on right now given I mean they know where they stand they know just as well as we do where they stand that they're they're in line to win the division most places have them between like 80 and 90 percent to win the division they're they're in line to get a home playoff game because of that be a higher seed they know that and i think we i think we know their goal is not just to do that it's to to win and get beyond where they were last year right and obviously if you do win that game your goal is to win the next one but you have to get there first and until you can do that consistently that can't be the expectation so i think Fans need to, you know, Bills fans have almost been too critical of, of this team at points, I think, especially after the last loss. But I think just winning that first playoff game, that should be our expectation as fans. And if they lose the next round after that, it doesn't mean the sky is falling and that this team isn't built to win a Super Bowl. It just means, that, you know, they're on track. Yeah, I mean, look, look at what this Bills team has become just this season from last year. Like we talked about how in this league in the NFL, you have to be able to score points, throw the ball, have a, have an elite quarterback to win consistently. Bills pretty much have that now. They they have that now. They have a a lot of skill on offense. They have a a top quarterback in the league so far this year. I I think it's safe to say Josh Allen is, is one of those guys. Now he's shown it consistently enough. He can be one of those guys and we should hold him to that expectation going forward as well. And, the Bills have the, the, the talent on defense. The defense is good enough. They make enough plays. Where This is a team, they, they can win. They're not necessarily like a, a world beater, but they can beat anyone. And, and that's what you have. That's what you want. That's when you build a football team. That's what you want. And I think the Brandon, uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have done a really good job of building a football team that can beat anyone. And, and that's what this Bills team is. 
Yeah, and it didn't take long to get there. I think that's the impressive part. And Josh Allen was never a good quarterback in JUCO, was never a good quarterback in college, wasn't a good quarterback his first year in the NFL, looked to be decent to above average last year. And now he's turned into one of those guys that you expect to have your team in it every single week. And that has to be the expectation going forward. (laughs) It certainly wasn't the expectation when they drafted him. I don't think many people thought that Josh Allen would become this, including us. I mean, we were very sour on that pick, but the Bills have a franchise quarterback. It's a no-brainer to pick up that fifth-year option, and that's all we can ask for at this point. Yep, it's 100%, and we have to... I mean, not not quite yet, but you prepare yourself for the day where Josh Allen's getting paid $35, 40000000 million a year, and, and the, the rest of the roster can't be built out the same way. Because it's coming. It's coming, people. It is coming. Right, and with the cap dropping next year, it might be coming sooner than we want it. And that's okay, because if, as, I'm not saying Josh Allen is Aaron Rodgers, but look at what Aaron Rodgers has done for that Green Bay Packers organization for the last 15 years. He's covered up the incompetence of the front office that has never drafted him an offensive skill player in the first round because he's that good. That team is in it every single year because he's that good. And if Josh Allen can continue being this good going forward, then that's just it's great news for Bills fans because the expectation is no longer, oh, maybe you know we'll get lucky and get a wild card. The expectation is going to be win the division every year and be in it in the playoffs and be a threat to go to the Super Bowl. 100%. When you have a quarterback like this, when you have a guy who's shown he can... He, can do the things Josh Allen has showed he can do. That is your expectation, and we we it's not that we're we're you know trying to sound super overconfident or cocky or anything like that. But Josh Allen has shown he's good. The Bills' offense has shown it's very very good in general terms in the NFL. When you have a quarterback that's very good, an offense that's very good, you win your division. You win football games. That's what we need to expect as long as Josh Allen is on this Bills team. Right, and as we go into the final stretch of this regular season, I think the defense has a good chance to come back, not to what they were last year, but a little closer to what we expect them to be. And Matt Milano will hopefully be back, not for the Chargers game, but the one after. Even if he's not, I don't think it's the end of the world, because they've gotten seven wins largely without him. So... I just think as this team hopefully gets a bit healthier on defense and they start playing some offenses that aren't as great, all of a sudden we're going to be like, oh, this is kind of close to what we thought this defense was going to be headed into this season. Yeah, and part of that is the Bills have played some very, very good offenses so far this year. The, 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 the strength of schedule has been very difficult on the offensive side of the ball and a lot easier on the defensive side of the ball in terms of their opponents. And that changes the rest of the year. So I think that should be some more reason to believe that the Bills' defense can put together a really good string of games to close out the season, where they were playing offenses like the Rams, the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Cardinals. Like Those are some really, really good offenses that you're not going to stop very often. And they don't have there's not that's not on the schedule going forward, other than maybe the Chargers. 
And I think going forwards, Tremaine Edmonds has been outstanding in the last two or three weeks. And if that continues over the rest of the season, then picking up his fifth-year option is a no-brainer. When three weeks ago, I'm pretty sure I said, I don't know if you're picking up that fifth-year option, but I think it was largely due to injury and not having Matt Milano next to him. But now, over the last couple of weeks, he's just looked really decisive, really fast, like you expect him to play. And it just looks like a guy that can be the centerpiece of that defense for years to come. And hopefully that continues, and that decision is easy for Brandon Bean to pick up that fifth-year option. Yeah, I mean, I generally agree with that. I, I, we both had said Tremaine Edmonds didn't look the same early this year, and I think we can attribute that to a couple things. Like Alex said, the injury definitely seems to have been playing a part in in his struggles, and then also his how he's being used has changed enough where it, they he's being put in a position to succeed more often. He's getting a lot more looks lining up outside the tackle, where he has been a lot more successful, especially against the run, doing that. And I expect to see a lot more of that, even when Milano comes back. Yeah, and I almost expect that against teams that don't have quarterbacks that are mobile, like the Seahawks and the Cardinals. It's just, he seems to see the game better from there. And Matt Milano is kind of one of those guys that you can kind of just let him do his thing out there. And it's not really going to affect him what Tremaine Edmonds is doing. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, we have to accept, and Bills fans should understand how good Matt Milano is at pretty much everything he does and how important he is to this defense. Like, he's, at worst, the second most important player on the defense. And it's arguable that he is the most important player on the defense, even though, yes, I know the Bills have Tredavious White. Milano, it's still arguable he's the most important player on the defense. Right, and the Bills have to figure out a way to get him on the roster next year. Whether it's through a franchise tag, a long-term deal, it's going to be challenging with the cap. But you're gonna ha- they're going to have to make tough decisions. They're going to have to let other guys go in order to keep Matt Milano. And it's okay if you have to let Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, guys like that go in order to keep Matt Milano. Because it, let's be real, like Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler, they've kind of been bust as free agent signings. And, you know, Star Latoule opting out kind of changed how Quentin Jefferson was supposed to be used. But it's also shown he's expendable. You can find someone else to do that for a lot cheaper. Right, and, and Matt Milano's 26 years old. He's played three NFL seasons, not even three full NFL seasons, and he's he's shown to be a, a ridiculously good linebacker in this league. Like, he's going to continue to be good, and he's 26. He should be this good for the next four, five, six years. Like, that's the Bills' long term. I think it's, it's pretty obvious that they're I – w- I would hope – that they lean towards him. Like, he he is the long-term solution at that weak side linebacker spot. He is going to be... He's, he's going to be that guy for someone for, the, for a long time. And hopefully that is in Buffalo, given how good he's been. Yeah, and with the cap coming down probably $20, 25000000 million from what it was this year, you might have to think about cutting a guy like John Brown in order to keep Matt Milano. And that's a trade I will make 10 times out of 10. Because if Josh Allen is this guy we think he is, as long as he has Stefan Diggs, it doesn't really matter what else you throw out there with him. He should be pretty good. Right. And that's that's the kind of tough decision we're talking about. Like, 
you can find a, not that John Brown isn't really really good not that we don't want John Brown in Buffalo but if we have to choose between John Brown and Matt Milano long term Matt Milano is the, the choice and I don't think it should be that difficult of a choice and I don't think John Brown's game is going to age well he's going to be one of those guys that falls off a cliff very quickly because of his skill set is use his speed and route running to get open. He's not a big guy. He's not a contested catch guy. And we've seen him hobbled by injuries, but he's on the wrong side of 30 now. And if that little bit of speed starts to go, then that's really it for him being an effective player. And that's okay. Cole Beasley is more meant to be a guy that's probably going to play into his early to mid-30s. And he he already is on the other side of 30. But his skill set and how he's used it will be effective longer than John Brown's will be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and given that Stefan Diggs is on the bills, like John Brown this year, not that he's not having a good, a pretty good year. He is having a pretty good year, but he's having a year similar to all the rest of his years in his career, which last year was a career year from him as the number one receiver in Buffalo. He's not that anymore. He's on pace for, I think like 60 catches for 800 something yards. Four, four or five touchdowns, like that's, you can replace that. That's not irreplaceable type of production. And you might have that on the roster with Gabriel Davis. I mean, he's already been way better than we expected. We thought, hey, maybe this guy will be good. No, he's good. And he does the things that they ask him to do well. If he's able to expand upon that, then John Brown, I don't want to say it's an easy decision to cut, but to save, I think it's like $9 million on the cap. Yeah, that's a tough decision that you're going to have to make. And like we said, that day is going to come sooner than Bills fans want it, that the cap's going to be a problem because your quarterback's good. Right. People are going to be shocked. And I don't know why people... I, I don't think people should be shocked, but they're going to be when they see what kind of a contract that Josh Allen gets when he does sign an extension. Not that... No... Josh Allen doesn't deserve it, but it's just to imagine, like, this guy, Josh Allen, who we thought sucked for a while, is now getting paid $40 million a year. It's going to throw a wrench into things. It's going to throw a wrench into things. And you can't – people are going to come out and say, oh, he's not worth $40 million a year. Go look at the other quarterbacks out there of what they're getting paid. Josh Allen's probably going to get close to $40 million a year. Like, I I would imagine when it comes time for him to sign an extension that – that's he gets somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 and he should get somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 because we've seen it over a large enough sample now that yeah he's he's that good pay him that money because you aren't going to find someone that's going to be just as good as josh allen easily while maintaining this you know i don't want to say championship caliber roster because they haven't proven it yet but deep playoff run caliber roster Right, and like Jared Goff gets thirty three five a year, Wentz gets thirty two a year, and then you have Deshaun Watson, Mahomes, who get like forty and forty five a year. Josh Allen's probably in the Mahomes Wentz or the Mahomes Watson uh, range of salaries versus the Wentz Goff. I mean, I think anyone that watched football this year could say Josh Allen is definitely better than those guys. Right, and I've never been a big Jared Goff or Carson Wentz guy, but those are kind of the lines of quarterbacks of do we pay them? Do we not? If you're asking that question, you shouldn't pay them. And you're not asking that question with Josh Allen anymore. So, yeah, he's worth more than those guys are getting paid because he's better than them. 
Right, and that's where we have to, as Bills, the Bills fan base, realize, come to grips with the fact that he will be signing some ridiculous extension, probably worth north of, I don't know, I, I bet he gets north of $220, 230 million dollars contract total, six, seven-year, forty million dollar deal. Probably what he's looking at. Be be prepared for it. He's going to get paid. And it's going to change the way the roster is built, but I, I trust that Brandon Bean can can continue to field a competitive team, even paying your quarterback that much money. And I think it's going to be a, a value, especially the cap is going to be crunched because of this season's effects on the revenues for a year or two. But then you have the new TV deal, I think, in 2023, and the cap's going to explode higher. And all of a sudden, a franchise quarterback on a 35 or $40 million a year contract is going to be affordable. So yeah, it's going to have to hurt for a couple of years, but I think at the end of the day, in a year or two, if we're talking Josh Allen getting six years, $210 million, that's $35 million a year, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I'll take that. And if it's higher than that, if it's $40 million a year, then so be it. I mean, you have to. Right, and I mean, and like you said, his contract is going to be a value at some point in the future. And even Pat Mahomes' contract is going to be a value in the next five years, given how much the salary cap is probably going to explode. Like, that is, it's going to happen. Now, will Josh Allen get signed for 12 years that Mahomes did? Probably not, but it's still, the the value is most likely in five years, if Josh Allen, five years from now, is almost 30, or about 30 years old and playing this way still, and he's getting paid only $35 million a year to do it, we're gonna be like, oh, this is, we're this is a this is a bargain. This is a bargain. And that's the nature of a salary cap sport. It's just, can you imagine what these guys would be getting if there's no salary cap? I mean, Pat Mahomes would be a bargain at eighty or a hundred million dollars a year, but they have to live within the rules of the salary cap, unfortunately. And you know, he can't just buy a good team. And the Bills have put together a pretty good one here. Nate, anything? you want to add before we wrap this up and come back later this week with a preview of Bill's Chargers? Yeah, so we did have a, a question from one of our listeners about uh, thoughts on the coaching staff, and particularly whether Leslie Frazier would get some head coaching interest at the end of the season. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Alex? I mean, Leslie Frazier should get head coaching interest. He should have the last couple of years. Brian Dable is going to get head coaching interest. And it's going to be tough for the Bills to retain both of those guys. And I believe they made Leslie, Leslie Frazier assistant head coach or something. They gave him some sort of internal promotion to, in terms of title to make him feel like, yeah, we want you here and we'd rather you not go elsewhere. And Brian Dable, we complain about every once in a while. Actually, we complain about him a lot with how he calls games in the second half. But there's no doubt that He's the real deal at offensive coordinator. And, I mean, he never had a good quarterback or a good offense in his other stops. He didn't have that until, you know, last season with Buffalo. And I think he's proven that maybe he could have his own team too, or at least deserve a shot to. And I think as long as you have Bean and McDermott, then this team's going to be successful, whether those two guys go on to coach their own teams or not. Right, and I, I, I agree. I think they both should get head coaching interviews, I think Brian Dable's more likely to, just given that it's an offensive league these days, but I think they both should. 
And I think Brian Dable, his replacement is probably already on the coaching staff if he were to leave because you just make Ken Dorsey the offensive coordinator and everything continues as it was. Defensively, I don't really know if the replacement is on the staff or is there. But if Leslie Frazier leaves, I still have full faith that the defense isn't going to change drastically. There, there's going to be – it's going to be similar. McDermott's defensive head coach, he's going to hire someone that runs it the way he wants it run. I think we shouldn't be super concerned as a fan base about either of those guys leaving, given that Ken Dorsey's clearly ready to, to become an offensive coordinator if Dable leaves. And defensively, we have Sean McDermott. So I, I don't think it's the end of the world if either one of those guys leaves. Right, and I think Bean and McDermott have also shown that they're willing to change if what they're doing isn't working. Look at what Brandon Bean did to try to help out his team when he first came here. Traded for Calvin Benjamin. You know, they had Andre, not Andre Roberts, Andre Holmes. (laughs) They were just getting all these guys that were big targets, couldn't separate. And they quickly learned, that's not what works anymore. Let's get some guys that can separate so Josh Allen's throwing to open receivers and not just big guys that, you know, can stick their hands out and the ball sticks to their hands, which wasn't very successful with those two. But I think the point I'm trying to make is this team is willing to change if they have to. And if they lose Brian Dable or Leslie Frazier, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, I do too. And I really think that's part of why Ken Dorsey got brought in is the Bills probably knew before anyone else that Josh Allen was gotten has gotten a lot better, that Brian Dable knows what he's doing, and that there's a chance you lose him in the offseason, and you bring in guys who can replace them on your staff. It, it's always better for for everyone if the, the replacement for a guy leaving for a head coaching job is internal. And I think the Bills are, are pretty well set up for that, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which makes me feel pretty good about the future, regardless of whether or not Brian Dable does get a head coaching job, which if he does get offered one, you know, good for him. He he deserves it. Absolutely. And if you have any questions or comments or you're mad at anything we said, you can tweet us at Bills underscore breakdown or, you know, email us Bills Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. And, you know, we'll address what you think we said or any questions that you have on, you know, our thoughts on the Bills and the league at large. Yeah, so uh, anything else you want to add, Alex? No, I'm excited that we got a bye week. It was nice to have a bit of a rest from the regular cadence of the podcast and to kind of go in some big picture stuff. So I think that'll bring us to an end of this episode of the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Pollinger. And I am Nate Schreiber. Subscribe, download, give us a rating and a review, please, wherever you get your podcast. It helps other people find the show. If you could do that for us, that would be outstanding and much appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter at Bills underscore Breakdown. Send us any questions, comments, feedback to Bills Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.